The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. There are entrepreneurs and business leaders that are making so much more than profit in their enterprises. They're also giving back to the community, and so can you. Welcome to Be More, Achieve More, inspiration for the entrepreneurial mind with host Chris Cooper. If you are looking to make the most of yourself and your business, then you will want to stay tuned for the next hour. Here's your host, Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper of BeMoreAchieveMore.com and CC1Consulting.com. Delighted to be back with you um, for yet another week. And today we're going to talk about cultural intelligence and raising your game to win in international markets. I'd first like to say a thank you to my guest last week, Stuart Pickles, who spoke to me about engaging leadership. And he shared some really tremendous points in there about the importance of listening, about empathy and um, acting as a leader with humility. And it was also very refreshing. His background was being a chief financial officer. And to hear him talking about those things and uh, recognizing those things were, was really refreshing. Now, this week's topic of cultural intelligence, it seems really quite appropriate to me this week because I've been in some discussions with um, a publisher in the United States who's publishing a book that uh, I'm co-writing with a colleague, who, um, a friend who's an American in Minnesota, uh, Stephen, and also we were working with our American agent, and we're trying to work out a really good, compelling title for the book. And... Um, was really interesting that a lot of the titles that were coming across to me in the UK and being sent across just didn't seem to work over here. And uh, I, I felt like I was spoiling the parade as the only, only Brit. I mean, some of the headlines were well, that a quirky and fun in America seemed almost like, you know, you'd seen a tabloid newspaper over here. So really fascinating. And my colleague Stephen then sent me a great quote, and it said, America and Britain, two great nations divided by a common language, which uh, really amused me. So this is an important subject, isn't it? When we're dealing with different cultures, that uh, we do have different ways of uh, behaving and different norms. And building empathy between clients and colleagues of different nationalities and from different cultural backgrounds, it can be really challenging, as, as I experienced this week. And I'm sure maybe some, many of you will have experienced uh, in your communications as well. I'm therefore particularly delighted today to have Deborah Swallow join me. Deborah is an international keynote speaker, a seminar leader, consultant and author. And she's a leading authority on cultural diversity, intercultural communication and international business practices. She's worked with and works with senior executives, diplomats and entrepreneurs globally. Her clients include companies like Barclay Business Banking, Nokia, Motorola, the Diplomatic Academy of London, and the Ministry of Foreign Affairs in Norway, so truly international businesses. Deborah is co-creator of the 4C International Business Cultural Communication Model, helping individuals uh, to communicate clearly in a way which transcends cultures. 
She's MD of 4C International Limited, and um, the firm is dedicated to improving international business skills. She's the Director of Internet and Cultural Studies at the Diplomatic Academy in London. She has five published books, appeared in press, radio and TV. She's a fellow of the Professional Speaking Association and a winner of the highly coveted UK National Training Award. Deborah knows what she's talking about on this subject. A big welcome, therefore, to Deborah Swallow. Hi, Chris. Thank you for having me on the show. You're very welcome. Uh, great to talk to you, Deborah. Uh, Deborah, do you want to just share which part of the world you're from? Yes, I'm, I'm currently uh, on the edge of England, and I was where I am at the moment and where I was born, which is a place called Southend-on-Sea in Essex. And once upon a time, I used to go around the world saying I lived in a small town to the east of London, and so many people used to say, yes, but where, where? So it's Southend-on-Sea, and anybody who's ever wa- worked with Ford Motor Company knows it because it's right near Dagenham and many people across the world know it because they used to come to Southend College before they went on to university somewhere else in the UK. Is that one of those um, colleges that uh, people come to learn the language from overseas? Yes, that's right. Excellent. So how did you first become interested in culture and cultural intelligence? Well, Originally, I trained as an interpreter and worked in Valencia with Ford Motor Company. And interestingly, back then, nobody ever talked about cultural differences. So that if you fast forward many, many years, in 1997, I started working as um, a consultant for a Finnish business consultancy, working on internationalization projects. And it took me across the Nordic countries and I was working with companies of all different sizes from all different um, industries but the one thing that uh, we had in common was that we didn't see things the same way Mm. Um, and even I I was beginning to realize that there was a difference between the Finns and the Swedes and um, and 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 the Danes and um, um, the penny began to drop that this wasn't just, you know, coincidence and, and the intrigue um, and the curiosity began to build. And at the time I was doing a doctorate and hadn't long started and I went back to my professor to tell him about some of the experiences I had. Um, that all the things that I'd learned in business school from him and and his colleagues were getting seasick as soon as I went to the Nordic countries. And my professor said, oh, Debbie, you've learned, you've come across cross-cultural differences. And I said, oh, what's that? And he said, just a different way of seeing the world, different value sets. And I thought, this sounds fascinating. And I decided I would change the focus of my doctorate to, to reflect cross-cultural differences. And then that started me on uh, a, a whole new journey to a different destination with, with brand new horizons. Oh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a fascinating subject. Uh, for a few years, I had, a, had roles where I had people reporting to me in different markets, ranging from, included Finland and Poland and Spain and France, Holland, Belgium, and I had different managers in different countries that I go and visit, and I absolutely loved it, just really observing and spending time with them and just seeing 
how people behave differently. Um, it's really intriguing and you can start to understand why if you're just based in a country and you're dealing via email or something how you can get yourself into all sorts of trouble <laughs> yes when you send something off and you get the response which you're not not at all expecting and you think where did that come from how did they get that interpretation <laughs> <laughs> so so how, what would you define then uh, cultural intelligence as being um, well, many people talk about emotional intelligence. So if we use that as sort of the base, what I would say that is that cultural intelligence is um, a, a, um, embraces emotional intelligence, but has a wider scope in terms of being sensitive to the, the idea that other people really do see the world through different lenses compared with the the ones that you use to to view the world so uh, there's certainly uh, psychology in here but there's anthropology and and really it's understanding that people's uh, history, um, geographical environment, um, social environment, that really does uh, influence the way people think, feel and behave and, and therefore their expectations of life and their expectations of people they meet with um, are different from your own and these can be culturally driven. So that when you were saying about enjoying um, the, the meeting of people from all different cultures. Yes, it's absolutely fa fascinating, but there actually is a field of study. There, there is a science out there that uh, you can engage with and, and learn to be better at recognizing cultural differences and being adaptable. So that's what cultural intelligence is. That's a, good, that's a great explanation. Um, why, why, therefore, do you think it's important for business people today to you know um, to really understand this um, and gain an advantage how, how, how can it help them well interestingly um, the British government did a survey of people who were exporting or who were doing international business and what uh, the, one of the findings of this research was four out of five businesses that are in foreign business ventures fail or or fail to deliver on their full potential so only one in five is being successful four out of five companies on on are failing or not doing particularly well in their foreign business ventures and the reason for this is that um there's either too much informality from from our point of from 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 the way we behave with other people. They they see that we have too much informality, we don't develop the relationship, um, and we ignore cultural differences. And when I say we ignore cultural differences, I think it's we just assume everybody has the same approach to the to the same things, doing same things the same way, and it doesn't occur to us. Um, many, many foreigners would say, 
oh, the British and the Americans, oh, we're very arrogant. But it's, I don't believe it's arrogance. I truly believe it's ignorance. We don't know that there are differences because we do things in the English language and we do business internationally, more or less in our own model. And we've, you know, transported it around the world. So um, that's why people get it get it wrong, I think, and uh, um, and why it's in, cultural intelligence is important, so that we can create better relationships, create a good rapport, and do business better. So, do you think, therefore, the the, the example you were giving there was British and Americans? Do you, do you think both parties are too informal? Are both countries? We have do we share that in common? Yes, we do. In fact, we share it with all the English-speaking nations and North uh, Western Europe. So the the Finns tend and and the Swedes and the Danes, you know, all tend to be very informal. We all call people by their first names and and quickly, quickly get into. Um, joking with each other and and being quite open, flexible, informal, Um, whereas other people, um, status is is very, very important for some cultures. And therefore, when we start calling people by their first names, it just doesn't sit right with them Mm. at first. Yes, well, well, if if I'm ever um, not culturally aware on this show and you're listening to it, this show's accessed from about 50 countries each uh, month. So I do apologise. I'm just being just being British (laughs) 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 and doing my doing my best. So how do you think people get culture wrong? Um, Well, um, if I tell you a little story, um, I used to go around. When I first started going around the world and, and, and uh, uh, teaching about cultural differences, I used to ask everybody, oh, if you met a stranger, what's the, 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 your five key tips for getting on well with a stranger? And um, it was only when I went to Africa for the first time that somebody turned to me and said, uh, well, Debbie, it would be know their status and I looked at them and what they were saying to me was people in different parts of the world need to understand their relationship be it superior equal or inferior to the person that they are meeting in order for them to understand how they should address this stranger. Mm. And, of course, I think most of us sort of in the UK um, and and the United States would uh, just go up and think, well, as long as you've got a big smile on your face, you've got open, friendly eyes and you you shake somebody's hand, um, all will be well. But um, (laughs) it's not always, it doesn't always work that way. Mm. So you you mentioned to me while we're, we were planning this show that people and companies should have what you describe as a, a treble A rating to fly. What do you mean by that? Right. Um, I say that people, lots of people, whether they're 
um, when they're in international companies, um, they, they deal with people around the world and they tend to fly from their desks. So they, they could be sitting in London but talking to somebody in Bangalore or Beijing. Um, so they're flying from their desks. And then, of course, we have uh, international managers who've got a l- location back at base but spend most of their time going from uh, one country to another, especially sort of on projects. And the AAA rating is really f- um, for these people to understand um, that they they should have awareness of how their culture impacts the way they view the world, um, a way to assess other cultures, so their tools and techniques for them to better understand their counterparts, and action to adapt their way of working uh, to meet the expectations and the needs of their counterparts. So a AAA rating uh, is about awareness, assessment, and action. Yeah. <clears throat> and where are, the, where, are the, where are the best sort of sources to gain that information from? Um, yeah. and, and a, you know, particular, is it a search on the internet or uh, is it reading one of your books? <laughs> well, uh, well, please, um, uh, yes, read my books. You can go to my Deborah Swallow website where there's lots of free resources. But also other people who do intercultural training, um, on their websites there tends to be lots of information which um, compares and contrasts um, cultures Yes. so that you get an idea of um, what, what you're supposed to be looking at in order to, to be able to assess people or, or, or cultures. And also you can get information on um, a, a specific country. So if you were going off to Spain, you know, how they do business, what their opening hours are, that yes, they do like to have a, a longer lunch. <laughs> which, which is what happened in Valencia this weekend. I was there with a, an, a, a group that I belong to. It was um, everybody coming from Europe. And uh, the chairman said, OK, if we break for lunch now, can I suggest we're back here in about 55 minutes? That will take us to two o'clock. I looked at this gentleman and I said, hold on, we're in Spain so he, he gave us an hour and a half. In the end, <laughs> lunch took three hours. Oh, my word. <laughs> <laughs> well, well on, on that note, we're going to just take uh, two minutes for a commercial break, and then we'll be back and looking at the key attributes that you really need to understand to become really great uh, at international life. So we'll be back with you again in just a couple of minutes. <laughs> When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program. One-to-one mentoring and coaching 
facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. We spend 70% of our week in the office. What is the difference between enjoying your job and enduring it? The number one motivator is a positive work environment. And that's where Real Recognition Radio comes in. Join your hosts, Roy Saunderson and S. Max Brown, as they take a look at the positive factors of the workplace, such as employee rewards, recognition, incentives, and much more. Tune in to Real Recognition Radio, Tuesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Business Channel. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Go behind the scenes of what you see, hear, and read on the news. Learn the ins and outs of public relations on Stars of PR with Cindy R. every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time. Cindy Rakowitz is a Clio Award winner and is the co-founder of BR Public Relations, who wants to share her PR experiences and knowledge with you. Learn how to handle a crisis, deal with celebrities, and become a terrific PR executive. Listen to The Stars of PR with Cindy R. every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to Be More, Achieve More with host Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to info at bemoreachievemore.com. That's info at bemoreachievemore.com. Now, back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper, and I'm with Deborah Swallow, and we're talking about cultural intelligence. Uh, So, Deborah, uh, what are the key personal attributes that people need to become a, a really phenomenal player in international life. If you want to just share them top line, then maybe we can go into some questions about each of them. Uh, well, first of all, and this is really important, awareness uh, of yourself, uh, openness and flexibility, uh, cultural intelligence, then um, learning how to communicate better and a spirit of adventure. Uh, excellent. So let's let's start with gaining greater awareness and we started actually to talk about that before the break I mean what what are, what are the best ways to really gain that awareness um, of course you can pick up a book and, and read about what what are the what is the culture of of, of your particular nation but um, first off if you just think about the messages you gained from childhood as you were growing up you know what did a good boy do what what did a good girl look like um and and the messages you got from your parents and your uh teachers so for example um um one of the sayings we we have 
and what we tend to teach our children uh, in our culture is to stand out from the crowd. So what we're implicitly uh, saying to our children is you should be unique. You should be different. You you should uh, try to find ways to make you um, very different and very valuable and compared with everybody else. And yet, in the Far East, uh, there's a saying that says, the nail that stands up gets knocked down. Mm. Ah, which automatically means that children in that part of the world are being taught from a very early age not to stand out from the crowd. So, we, we in our culture are taught to be very individualistic so the Anglos or the English speaking nations are very individualistic and the Americans are sort of um, the most individualistic nation in the world compared with people from the Far East and Afri- many, many African nations and the Middle East where it's very much um, you're taught to put your own personal feelings aside and that uh, you should be doing things for the good of the community, for the good of the family. So their needs come first before yours. Mm. That's uh, that's interesting. I mean, in those markets, how do people become uh, great leaders without a little bit of, you know, a little bit of being prepared to stand up um, and uh, out of the crowd? Um, I'm I'm not sure that they do stand out from the crowd. People who become great leaders in communitarian um, societies tend to to be more like father figures and mother mm. figures, um, mm. and and that they are able to gain loyalty and trust from their followers. And people implicitly um, believe and trust that they will do good for them, uh, almost like family. Mm. So I think Nelson Mandela had some of those qualities, didn't he? Oh, very much so, yes. And, and um, we have many, many sayings um, that we use when we when we talk metaphors and they give insight into how we think for example time is money <laughs> you mm. know to us time is money but uh, as as one friend of mine turned to me the other day and said ah we have a saying in my country debbie he said uh, uh, god gave the white man the clock and gave the black man time and of course one of the differences between the americans and um and and the brits uh, is that um the americans take part in competitions to win you know you've got to be in it to win it and of course for the brits it's not the taking uh, it's not the winning it's the taking part that counts (laughs) Mm. Mm. i think that's what our football team Yes, (laughs) Um. Yes, <laughs> and, and, and all this sort of um, sends messages to us as we grow up. Mm. It's very, very hard, very harder in our society. With, with I've got young children, and just sending the message to them about things like competition uh, and how you 
you know, how you finally balance that. The school don't even have competitive sports days at the moment. Um, no. Uh, so uh, my son's now started to compete in things. He's getting older, but uh, it's a fascinating fascinating uh, conversation um so so in terms of awareness it's about it is about being aware that different cultures have different beliefs and uh, and different ideas about about things and it sounds like you know reading and going to websites and things like that can help us with some of that awareness by doing research before we go um, yes um, what do you mean the next one was openness and flexibility so talk to me about that oh that's definitely about having an attitude that's um that helps you go with the flow and not get stressed out when things don't happen the way you expect them to do. For example, you know, that 55-minute lunch hour, <laughs> lunch break turned into to, to three hours and you could see some of the, 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 the more Anglo and Germanic people within the group getting quite stressed about it. And, and there were the Italians and the Spaniards having a whale of a time talking, bonding, having coffee, so very much um, go with the flow and learn to live with ambiguity and uncertainty. Mm. And, and you can see some of those um, those stars in in. I had a was facilitating a two day event at the beginning of January, and it was actually a, a British client. It was British people, but they had a, a really important piece of work came in on the second day that so they got a big event the following day and they suddenly found got felt uh, the stress that they needed to get on and work on it yes. so actually the program that I was doing with them was uh, was slightly hijacked by this and you know I think my on, on hindsight what I probably should have just said to them is Look, let's just do two hours get it finished and then pack my bags up and go home <laughs> but uh, be, be prepared to be flexible uh, yes did, did create quite a bit of anxiety in me because it wasn't how I expect things to be done. No, and and also while you're talking about that, um, you know, these cross-cultural differences aren't just between nations. They can be in an organisation between the sales and the market. Well, sales and accounts <laughs> is, is always the stereotypical, you know, we never see eye to eye. And then you have... Um, uh, in mergers and acquisitions, um, often these fail because of the, the organisational culture. So, and and my husband comes from the north of England, and I come from the south of England. And when we first got married, the number of times I used to get upset uh, um, from things he said, but it was just down to culture. I now realise so. Uh, yes, these these cultural openness and flexibility, it's a life skill, I think. We can be a bit more blunt from the north sometimes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> being, being a northerner myself. I once, I once uh, had the privilege of, of sharing, of, of, of doing a, a reading at a relative's wedding, and he was from the north, she was from the south, and the, uh, the passage had in it, I think, the word love 26 times, I think it was, from the, the piece from the Corinthians, and yes. there I was reading this out, love, love, and uh, the southerners on one side were in absolute hysterics, as was the bride, but on the other side, no one had got a clue what was going on, they were just, what, what on earth are they laughing at? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, Chris, I'm, 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 I'm laughing here because my husband says love as, as well, and I, yes, I, I know what they're laughing at, yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, we have a bath and we have a bath 
Yes, yes. <laughs> and one day I was asking my husband, uh, this was not long after we got married, uh, about dinner. Would he like this or would he like this or something? And he turned around and said, I don't care. And I got so upset because, of course, to him, I don't care meant I, I'm, I'm not bothered, I'm easy, I'm flexible. But when somebody says to me, and I come from the south of England, I don't care, it means... Um, oh, well, how would you explain that, Chris? It means, um, you know, I, 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 it, it is so unimportant to me, I'm not even going to give it any consideration. <laughs> <laughs> well, the extra confusion in there, of course, is that for some of us from the north, um, dinner would be something you had at 1230 Oh, yes, yes, yes. Whereas in the South is an evening meal. It's an evening meal, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, it's all, all good. All good design, isn't there? Um, so what's, what's the, um, so what's the um, third point you made? Was that about cultural intelligence? Or is that does not awareness and openness and flexibility and communication all fit into cultural intelligence? Do you, well, do I, suppose, you... I suppose it all fits in, but um, I, I would say... Um, one of the key things you should do would be to be mindful of and therefore try and improve cultural intelligence. Mm. Um, but communication it, is a whole story in itself, if you want to go down that route. <laughs> well, we've got, we've got about six minutes till the break, so we've got a little, little bit of time. You know, how, how, do you, how do you learn to communicate better with different cultures? Uh, again, this is about understanding... Um, the 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 different approach people have to communication, and one of the approaches that you can look at is whether people have direct communication or indirect communication. So, for example, um, you and I are speaking, um, and you could you, you could ask me a question or or interpret my answer, and I could say. Oh, Chris, no, 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 you haven't quite got that right. And then I would re-explain what I meant. Um, and this is perfectly acceptable for you and me because we are fairly direct communicators. Yes. Um, whereas the opposite of this are, are cultures that never say no. Uh, so you've got 101 way of saying yes, of which probably one means yes. Uh, so people will, um, it, it's to do with respecting you as my listener, the person that I am engaging with. And I am, I am really trying to um, honor you, respect you, give you face, um, uphold your pride so that I, I never say no to you. So I will mm. say things in a very indirect manner for you to interpret. Um, so people very much from the, 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 the Far East um, are indirect communicators. Um, but uh, I remember when I was um, in Malawi, and I was driving a car and I got to a crossroads and I oh, crikey, which way is Lilongwe, which is the capital? And there was a gentleman nearby and I got out the car and 
and I went over and I said, oh, is this the way to Lilongwe? And he said, yes. After about 35 minutes, I realized, you know, this was not the way. Um, and I, and what, in <laughs> hindsight, now that I know, um, what, what the man had done was looked at me and thought that, um, if I thought that was the way to Lulongui, I couldn't possibly be wrong because I was somehow superior to him. And so he wasn't going to show me up by telling me I was wrong. And also, um, um, it, he was saving my face. He, he, he couldn't, because of his position in life compared with mine, which is what we mentioned earlier he he couldn't disagree with me <laughs> so so a much better question might might be wh which way to Lilongwe um, yes but then of course if somebody doesn't know the answer then they lose face by not knowing the answer so they will tell you something so by even by asking a simple question like that in some cultures we are putting people in very uncomfortable circumstances. And that is difficult for us in direct communication, from a culture that accepts direct communication, it's very difficult for us to understand that concept. Mm. Mm. We, we do do a little bit of it sometimes in our, in our personal communication. And the one thing I've always had to sort of mindful of sometimes with uh, I find a little bit more male female thing men men can be quite direct and uh, yes and sometimes a female um might say oh is it okay that if we don't go out to the for, for a meal on Saturday night yeah yeah that's okay and then you find out a few days later it wasn't but <laughs> 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 you should have guessed that you yes have guessed that. <laughs> yes 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 my, my my husband did teach me a long time ago that um well he came up with a lovely saying which was something to do with uh, you know my um I am not a mind reader and my um crystal ball gazing days are over <laughs> you know tell me what you mean <laughs> but, we've got, we've got, um, i'm sorry are no, you okay um, i was gonna say we've got a couple of minutes left till commercial break and and you mentioned spirit of adventure is that something uh, you either have or is that that's a, a mindset you have to develop? Um, i i think you're i i think people are born with it Generally speaking, you're either born with it or you, have, you haven't got it. It can be developed, but um, to be honest, if you, don't, if you don't really have it and you, you, you are a person that cannot cope with uncertainty and, and complex and ambiguity, just don't, don't be one of those people who puts yourself for or gets picked and accept. Don't accept um, living um, or going on a on an assignment abroad um, because the people get really stressed when everything isn't in a neat little box. So I think yes, you can develop uh, a spirit of adventure, uh, but it takes a, a lot of experience to do so. But some people are much, much better at it. And interestingly enough, what intercultural um, um, consultants do, so people like me, what we do is actually profile people for expat assignments. 
So we can look to see how, not whether they're good or bad at it, but uh, how easily um, they can um, live in a foreign country and and help. Um, and of course, we work with the, the families as, as well so that we set up their expectations to be more realistic Excellent. and also work with the with organizations to say, well, if you have a choice between these two people, I'd recommend this person over that person. Sounds great. Great, um, valuable uh, work. We're going to go to commercial break now and we'll be back with you again in just a couple of minutes to find out about the key attributes that businesses must possess. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high-potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high-return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program, one-to-one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. Do you, like most Americans, spend the majority of your life at work? Are you making it the joy that it deserves to be? Or are you feeling drained and unfocused? Tune in to A Great Place to Work with hosts Kurt Kaufman and Dr. Kathy Sorensen. Your hosts have more than 30 years of experience in workplace consulting and are ready to bring you the secrets and success stories of businesses who are making their business a great place to work. Listen every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel and enjoy a better workplace and a better life. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. tuned in to Be More, Achieve More with host Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to info at bemoreachievemore.com. That's info at bemoreachievemore.com. Now, back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper and Deborah Swallow, and we're talking to you about cultural intelligence. And Deborah, you talked about um, some of the personal attributes that people need to you know, be good in international life and, and, and play that well. And I'm interested to also know, what about the key things that you know, business as a whole, what are the attributes that they must have to, to do well and succeed internationally? Well, um, well rather than attributes, uh, some of the things they must do um, mm. to be successful would be um, good market research, to understand about meetings when they're abroad, the different ideas about what contracts are, and of course, branding, yes. how, they, how they brand themselves in, in different countries. So how do, you, how do you best carry out market research? Uh, and what are the consequences have you experienced from uh, people who don't do it? Oh, right. Um, well, some people 
certainly try and, and, and get it right. There was one washing machine manufacturer who wanted to create a, a, a world washer for emerging nations. And uh, instead of the um, soft cycle or, or um, they, they decided to call it the sari cycle, which was super. But um, when people started to wash their saris in the washing machines, um, they came out um, in 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 rags. So oh. it, it's all very well to yes. to, to think you are um, becoming uh, culturally intelligent and and changing your your product for for different markets, but you ought to mm. try and use them uh, with with product with with clothes, for example, from from that particular particular culture. But um, you know um, each culture has a cultural code for um, a product or a service and what I mean by that is the um, the internal feeling they have the emotional connection that they have with the product um, for example um, and, uh, and you'll smile at this one Chris because there's there's the ongoing ever um, British versus France um, <laughs> competition, isn't there? Now, mm -hmm. in in England, cheese is just cheese. You know, yes, we can buy really good cheese, which has been made by farmer. It's organic uh, and it's wrapped in paper, but it's still cheese. It's it's a inorganic thing. It's dead. We wrap it up and we keep it in the fridge. Now, in France, if you were trying to sell British cheese in France, you've got to realize that for the French, cheese is something that lives. It breathes. It, it's, um, you know, it, it's so special. And you would never find a French person just shoving uh, cheese in the fridge the way we do in, in the UK. So... Um, even with just a simple um, product like cheese, there's a, a different feeling towards what it is. Um, face cream for uh, for women and the way we um, advertise and promote makeup is is totally different in in the Mediterranean countries or Latin the the Latin countries. Makeup is to make you feel better so that you can seduce your man mm. um, in, in, the, in the UK and America you know uh, you know you you have this makeup because you deserve the best it's because you deserve it not because you're trying to get your man and of course in the Nordic countries it's it's again very different it's the the, the product that makes you look more natural um, and and guys, you know, when you advertise cars, you advertise them differently in different countries. Um, so um, a, a car that can be, um, you know, the the big cars, the, the the Range Rover type things in America can be advertised more like a horse because they get you out on the range. You can go anywhere. Mm. It's freedom. Whereas over here, you know, it's to pile all your kids in <laughs> to, get, to take them to school. 
<laughs> and to stay dry. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, you know, you really highlight that. It, it's actually very subtle, isn't it? You really do need to understand the culture well to be able to market a product well. Yes. Uh, you really get unstuck. Um, what do, so you talked about as well meetings. So um, how, how, how should meetings occur? Well, um, three things occur to me. The first one is you need to understand the purpose of a meeting. Uh, for us, the purpose of a meeting tends to be we're coming together, we've got something to discuss, we've got an agenda, and at the uh, end we'll have um, got some action points so that when we leave everybody knows um, what we're trying to achieve, who's doing what, by when, and all this will be done in the background until we meet again. Uh, whereas for other people, the purpose of a meeting is is really just to sort of see the whites of your eyes, to, to start to build a relationship and a bond, to see whether we can trust you, to see whether we actually want to be in business with you. Uh, so, um, first of all, there's there's this thing about purpose. Then the next thing is about uh, meetings, whether they're private or public. We tend to think that meetings are going to be be private, but the number of meetings I've turned up to and found there are other people sitting around and you don't know whether these people are, 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 are business people, whether they're relations, government officials or a mixture of all of them. Mm. Um, and you're, you're, you're drinking tea um, with these people and then every now and then you will get asked a question about your business and why you're there. And you, 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 you somehow feel extremely uncomfortable that you are being asked some what would be private business in front of all these strangers. <laughs> uh, and then the third thing is about how many people turn up to a meeting. We tend to, to send a competent individual um, and in fact, I was speaking to an ambassador the other day from a small island state, and, we, and I was explaining about cross-cultural differences, and he laughed and he said, I remember when I was, I was negotiating with China, he said, and I come from a small island state, there's only me, um, but yes, I'm, I'm deemed to be the competent, knowledgeable person. He said, and I walked into the room and there must have been 16 people on the other side of the table from yeah. the Chinese delegation. <laughs> but I've heard a similar story many times. So, you know, how many people are going to be in this meeting? Because if there's just you and you turn up and there's 16 people on the other side of the table, you can feel intimidated unless you understand that's, that's, that's the norm. And, and, and will they tell you if they if you ask the question in advance, or is it part of the, the negotiating tactics? <laughs> Sometimes it's in part of the negotiating tactics, but uh, if if you do your homework, you will find that um, um, the decision maker in um, will often be supported by many other people um, who have have got. Um, uh, the knowledge and, and because these are communitarian cultures, um, they 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 will field a team because 
the team as a whole functions better. Mm. And very interestingly, for people who um, have uh, Chinese or Japanese or, or students from the Far East in their universities at the moment, um, you will find that these students all revise together. And when one of them's found a good book, they'll all sit and revise the same book and learn the same passage. <laughs> and in an exam, um, you'll get very similar answers because <laughs> they do it as a team. <laughs> We've just got three minutes left, so I'm going to quick fire some questions at you, if that's okay, in yes. this last section. So, any advice on contracts? Yes. Um, we think contracts, once they're signed, are done and dusted, and everybody knows what they're going to do. For some cultures, the moment you sign the contract, you are then in business with each other, and that's when the real negotiation starts. All right. So, okay, so, so you might find you renegotiating again. Yes. That was just they just thought it was you being your first gambit. Yes. Your first. Right. I, I, we had someone a few weeks ago who was saying that uh, you know in some countries people people will then um, uh, sort of renegotiate uh, or or charge you a percentage to pay pay the invoice on time and things <laughs> like that. Yes. A bit cheeky. So so how about branding? Be very careful about branding. I was working with somebody doing a logo um, just the other day, and it was just initials. Um, and I and I thought, oh, this looks quite good. But a consensus showed that different people saw it differently, and one person actually saw it as a gun. Mm. Um, so um, colors, some colors are only used for the royal family, so you wouldn't. Um, use that um, but uh, one good tip about branding is try and have the back part side of your business card printed in the language of the country that you're going to go to so you might have several business cards with different languages on the back that's a really good really good idea really good idea so what what are the final messages that you'd like to leave us with um, culture does make a difference to how we all think, feel and behave. Our communication patterns are very different, whether it's male, female, uh, accounts, sales or across the globe. Um, but it's something that we can learn. It's something we can become mindful of. And just now that you've listened to this, start to develop your own cultural intelligence. Brilliant. I, there's some really good uh, nuggets in there. And I think the thing that I've really taken away from this is just, uh, you know, make sure you're doing your research before you go somewhere. And, you know, also, you know, always be aware that you don't have to actually be going anywhere. You can, we may be communicating with people all over the world just from our desk. So uh, we have to think carefully about that so thank you so much for joining us deborah i hope you've enjoyed being on the show i have chris thank you for asking me been a pleasure for more information on deborah swallow and cultural intelligence go to deborahswallow.com uh deborah is there any way that people can access your little video because that's that's really neat oh yes if they go to youtube and they just type in little pilots adventure there's a 90 second um 
animation on cross-cultural differences and it's really well received it's got over something like 75,000 hits now um, because it's just so simple but it gives you the um, essence of cross-cultural differences in 90 seconds so that's Little Pilot's Adventure on YouTube Fantastic. And on next week's show, we have Mark Colborn, and Mark's going to talk to us about uh, his journey um, to winning a Paralympic gold uh, medal uh, in cycling, and he's uh, got an MBE from the Queen, and we'll be talking about um, you know, how to kind of win and um, you know, devote yourself to be the best that you can be in, in business and in life. So that should be really, really inspirational with Mark Colborn next week. So once again, thank you very much to Deborah Swallow. And please do contact me at chris at bemoreachievemore.com with any um, thoughts or feedback because i love to hear from you. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to Be More, Achieve More. Please join your host, Chris Cooper, again next Friday at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time, typically 4 p.m. London on the Voice America Business Channel. Enjoy your week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.